Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week, and we are extremely lucky to have Bernd Fassmer and Martin Reichert from Germany's Superior joining us here today. Gentlemen, how are you both doing? Very good. Very good. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thanks for having us here. Our pleasure. Chris, my friend, how are you as well? I'm great. I'm I'm really excited to have this discussion. This is a really cool treat for for both of us and uh, for a number of our listeners as well. We um, covered your debut album behind this week on the podcast. So we thought what better way to kind of really go into even greater depth about the music and the songs than talk about two of the members of the band that were on that album, wrote that album, and obviously have um, vivid memories of that, that time period. But before we get to behind, talk to me a little bit about how the band started and really how the band came together, because my understanding is that you had released a few demos prior to behind's release in the mid-90s. That is that is correct, and and even Bernd and I we were not founding members of the band, so there was existing a, a superior band uh, long before we sure. both joined. Sure. And and I joined in uh, nineteen, what was it, nineteen ninety eight or something like no nineteen eighty nine. That that was my 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 time when I joined the band, and um, so back then it was still a very. Um, very much a power metal kind of band. So we were not in that progressive kind of metal at, at the time. And Bernd joined, as far as I, I know, in 1992, Bernd, if you... Yeah, if you yeah. Yeah. 1992, yeah. So, and, uh, yeah. Please, go ahead. Go ahead. So uh, I... <laughs> actually, uh, Michael Müller, who was um, the other guitar player, um, so, uh, so I... I had a, a guitar lessons with him <laughs> before I joined the band. So huh. um, that was uh, really uh, exciting for me because I was a fan of the existing band already. So when he called me and asked me to join, um, and then I was like, really, really nervous. <laughs> huh. so when I came into the rehearsal room for the first time with them. And, uh, yeah, but it, uh, it uh, turned out pretty well i think so um yeah it was was exciting really so and and during those early days when you both joined were you playing more of like a halloween or blind guardian type of power metal or was it something with still progressive influences sprinkled with that throughout there, there were some some progressive influences but in a way that you know there were um, uh, a lot of changes in in the in the uh, in the beat and and so it was it was a bit too complex actually at the time. So when band and I joined, we were kind of streamlining things as a as a band together. And band was actually the the one who who um, actually came up latest to the to the to the lineup that then played. Or, or recorded the, um, the behind album and later also unique, etc. Et so uh, we had finally the lineup together where we could say this is it, and and now we can create songs that really you know last for for longer and and, and not just do what what everybody else is doing. And when when you guys kind of came together, what were your personal influences? What were you listening to at the time? What did you enjoy? Because I'm sure you brought a lot of that into um, into the music. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, I was a, re a big fan of, of Metallica, for example, and stuff like that. Uh, so um, also Dream Theater, of course, uh, was a big influence, obviously, for us all. Um, um, and that w went on really uh, for all the time when, when we were together. Um, uh, but we were also pretty open to other stuff, not only metal. Um, so I was also a big fan of Sting, for example, or like older music, like like the yeah, the Police, or even like some pop music, like sure. the and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, David Bowie, I liked pretty much. Yeah. So, yeah. Martin, if you yeah, absolutely. So for me, um, when I started to play bass guitar, first thing was Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden. So <laughs> that may be a bass player at the end of the day. I think Steve um, Harris had that effect on a lot of young people oh. at the time where they heard that those, you know, galloping Iron Maiden sounds and you're like, that's what I want to do, you know? Exactly, exactly, exactly. But then you you figure out, okay, this is just one uh, way to play bass guitar and then you, you go into Metallica and then I was more later on, I was more into what's called new metal just to understand the, the energy of that kind of music. Um, but uh, like Bernd was saying, so we were actually deep into into all kinds of music. Film music was very interesting for oh, us. Yeah. So orchestras and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So so you learn over time that, you know, music is not one-dimensional. You have to you have to take from from all sources of music you have to learn and 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 try to to be creative with with that kind of stuff so that you can mix things in a different way did did you we, have a difficult time uh trying to navigate away from the power metal into what behind would come did the other members of the band have a little bit of pushback towards that or was everybody kind of like yeah this is the direction we we should be going in now well, if I may, so um, when we when we formed this lineup, we also um, reached out to Jan Marco Becker, the, the keyboard player, who brought a lot of other influences in, into the band. That made us sound completely different, and I think it became very natural that that we worked together. For example, the, the song "Why" it took us half a year to get to the final result of that song wow. because there was yeah. a lot of discussion about how we can make the arrangement of the song, but. You know, once you have found the recipe for it, then it becomes very easy to work together. But we had to take that hurdle yeah. uh, at the time. Ben, you, you may... Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, I totally band. agree. I mean, um, uh, Michael, like the, uh, the other guitar player, he also played uh, keyboard uh, also when we played live uh, at, at times. So um, that also made it really... Um, Kind of, kind of versatile that we could uh, add different kinds of of uh, keyboard uh, uh, sounds to our music, um, and then when it really uh, had to be heavy, then he 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 just took his guitar again, and uh, yeah, so that made us uh, also kind of uh, flexible uh, that we had uh, so also so many influences, uh, so many different influences. I mean, um, I'm also a big fan of classical music, and so was uh, Michael too. Uh, and uh, Jan also had a lot of influences from the 70s uh, and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, it's but but it felt natural for us. I mean, maybe that's also. Um, why uh, Unique was uh, so uh, so diverse, like uh, so many different kind of stuff. Um, uh, yeah, maybe that was the reason. 
for that. I think <laughs> that when that. you listen to all three albums, especially mm -hmm. if you listen to them in order or even, you know, pick an order, each the, the, the change in direction was so um, apparent, I guess is the word I'll use. Mm -hmm. um, every time I listen, depending on mood, I'll go to a different album because I know mm -hmm. that each one is going to bring a different energy, a different feel to it. And I think yes. that that's what makes... Um, really the band stand out in many ways because unlike a band like, and I, and I love this band, but unlike a band like Vandenplas where everything sounds kind of the same album after album, you guys had a lot more diversity in, in what you were trying to bring forth. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, on one hand, that's uh, cool uh, because you have a, a lot of different, different stuff, but um, economically it's not maybe the perfect thing to do because yeah. If you uh, if you are, have fans, then they may expect to hear one kind of thing. Uh, I mean, you can um, vary a little bit, you know. But if you are too different uh, from from what you've done before, then um, it, it's it could become difficult. And I think that's a kind of what also happens happened with with Unique, um, because uh, a lot of people just didn't expect that. So. It's it's certainly different. I I think I mean I, I mentioned them earlier, but a band like Halloween comes out with this mm -hmm. album Chameleon all of a sudden, and people that love that old Halloween stuff just yeah. didn't know how to didn't know how to react to it. Right. Yeah, um, exactly. And 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 I think that for fans, and I I put that in quotes, but for fans of the band, mm -hmm. um, it can be a little bit jarring if you don't if you're expecting behind part two, right? Because yeah, unique right. was not that, but. Nonetheless, um, talk to me about how the, the writing process for, for, for Behind and how kind of, did you just kind of sit in the studio and, 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 you know, see what would come out or was there, I mean, like you said, why it took six months. So talk to me about the writing process for the album. Mm -hmm. So um, in, in Superior, it was mostly Bernd, Michael Müller and, uh, and Jan Marco who wrote songs. So they brought their ideas to the rehearsal room, not to the studio, just we were in sure, a rehearsal sure. room. And um, there were a couple of, thong of songs there where we said, okay, that's fine. Just let's work it out so that we know what the drums are going to be, the bass, da, 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 da. so it's very easy. Arrangement was already done. But a song like Why started very wild in the early mm -hmm. days. So, so Jan Marco brought it to the rehearsal room and, and we said, yeah, this is has so much edges. <laughs> you know, we have to we have to massage the whole thing and and do an arrangement around it. And we were sometimes um, ending up in, at the dead end street <laughs> and had to turn around and and uh, change things all over again. So that was one of the most complex things to arrange in in the in the life of the band. Whereas, um, like I said, some some other things um, were were so easy just because band came with the song. And we said, yep, that's it. We just have to play it like that. Yeah. Some things re yeah, were really quick. <laughs> um, and others just took longer. Yeah. It's, it's, but it was, it was really fun, uh, working together with the guys. And, uh, um, yeah, we, we met, I think, two times a week. Uh, oh, at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, at least. At the time. <laughs> and, uh, that was, um, yeah, I mean, the band was, Almost like family, like the uh, little, uh, yeah, like a family at the side, <laughs> and um, yeah, we we got along uh, very well, I think, 
with each other uh, and uh, we had a good good uh, yeah vibe going on in the, in the rehearsal room uh, yeah so arranging stuff was always an like, was sometimes an adventure like with why and sometimes it was just straightforward yeah so I mm -hmm. uh, with for example let's let's take total void so that was some uh, a song that I brought brought into the rehearsal room and then yeah Mike uh, our singer uh just started yeah singing some kind of uh gibberish to it like uh, finding a melody you know right. but it, it was there like like that you know it, yeah. it just happened <laughs> I, I was going to ask if he wrote his own vocal lines over the top of your music because um one of the one of the highlights for me on the album is is just how beautifully he almost uses his voice as an instrument on top of Obviously, the the very accomplished playing of of you guys and, and the lower end section um, with the drums and whatnot, but um, his voice is almost like a, a an additional instrument for you guys besides the lovely lyrics. Yeah, for on on some of the songs, um, so uh, if you bring a, a song to the rehearsal room, then sometimes you have an idea how the how the vocal line could be, um, and then yeah, we we work together on that. But uh, very often he just uh, uh, we just jammed around and uh, he just and he brought in his his own ideas. So with the lyrics that was a little bit different. So um, when we had the 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 melody, then um, mostly uh, Jan, Michael Müller, and me were. So we we did the the lyrics mostly together. Uh, um, I mean, for some of them, yeah. Also, just one person did it. So if I, I can, I think Total Void also, the lyrics were also for me, but I don't remember really. Yeah, um, yeah but it was just, uh, sometimes it was like doing it all together and sometimes, yeah, uh, somebody brought it in and then we just dis discussed the lyrics also. Uh, so may maybe uh, another word here, another word here, there. And uh, yeah, so we worked just we worked it out together mostly mm -hmm. one of the things we discussed uh in the previous episode when we were going over the album was um just how crisp and how how good the production values were which this album is is coming on uh it's going to be 30 years old in a few years and we were just impressed with how just how good it sounded for for an older album we've heard albums that were you know came out in the late 90s early 2000s that didn't sound as as crisp and clear was there any sort of conscious effort to really make a strong production because i mean you know a lot of bands their first albums are not always like you know the 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 best sounding thing in the world was this self-produced and if so uh, talk a bit, little bit about that that kind of part of it yeah so so here's the thing so we finally decided um, that we would have to, you know, take all the money that we have and go to a proper studio. So Bernd, myself, everybody, every every team member was was taking all the money they had and said, "No, now I'm broke." <laughs> but but this is this is what what I put in to to make this uh, thing happening. So we went to a proper studio, which, for example, Fun and Blast was where we using before, and a couple other bands that we knew, uh, Roco Sound Studio. And uh, we knew that this guy knows how to how to create a good sound. So, but that's only only half of the of the story. 
Then you have to prepare because you know you have only 10 days to record the whole thing because, you know, the tick is clock. Uh, the clock is ticking. As clock. They say. The clock is ticking exactly. Yeah. So, so uh, and and uh, every every minute counts. So uh, everybody had his his time to do the recording, and I had, for example, two days to record a full album. Full album. So we had to be prepared, and I think that's what made at the end of the day the whole thing that that everybody knew I can't fuck this up. I have to go to the studio and and be great, right? So and, that, and that's what we did. That's it. That's the whole yeah. story. Yeah, I, I remember I, I was sitting in, in in the basement of my of my house at the time, and uh, so I had I took a vacation from from my from my job uh, for two, I think two or three weeks even. And I only had two and a half days for recording my mm -hmm. my guitars and the, and the solos, and uh, so I prepared for two weeks the whole day. Uh, sitting in my in my basement and playing the songs on and on and on again. I had a little four track recorder where I just played played on it and uh, listened to it. Uh, there I have to improve and do it again and again and again. And yeah, and then I drove to Rocco and recorded it, the stuff. So that was it. Mean, it was also the the first time for me to go to a bigger studio. Um, the other guys uh, had a little bit, at least a little bit of of studio experience before. Uh, that when they did uh, uh, some demos uh, together, um, so I, I had one experience in the studio that when we recorded the time shift demo, but that was it. Was it? And it, I was a little bit of a little bit nervous, but uh, Rocco also did uh, a great job of uh, like calming me down and you know, um, yeah, let's just do it again and pushing me, you know and. It was was great. I had a great time in the studio, and I think that's also uh, something you can hear. So if if you have a great guy sitting at, at the at the mix board and telling you, uh, pushing you to do good stuff, then uh, that's also uh, yeah, that's also important. If you if you listen to interviews with Paul McCartney, he talks about how the the success of the Beatles was really based upon just playing and playing together, like for years and years before right. they became the worldwide phenomenon that they ultimately became. So I have to think that those two to three days a week that you were in the rehearsal space just kind of or or eight, or eight days a week, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> there, you, there you go. Um, but just working working through this stuff that by the time it was time to go into the studio, you know, it was almost muscle memory at that point. You knew what you were trying to accomplish, and and I think yeah. it's I think that the album really expresses that because it sounds like a professional job. This wasn't just you know a bunch of young guys going into the studio and let's see what happens. I mean, this was a very calculated album in many ways. That is yes. that is correct. That is correct. And, and like like we said, on top comes Rocco as as the sound studio. We it mm -hmm. was all analog recording, so there mm. was this uh, sixteen track, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, uh, machine that that we were using. And half of the sounds, of course, the keyboards, for example, were were just just coming from the computer. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's interesting because nowadays, and, and Chris and I have talked about this in the past. There's so many artists, even individuals, that come out. They play every instrument, but because they're able to just do things on the computer in their own home studio for cheap, 
it sounds like a, it sounds so much better than than other stuff that you might hear. And also, then you also have bands that don't actually record together. They just send the files over the mm-hmm. internet, and all of a sudden it comes out and it sounds wonderful. But uh, it was it was different twenty five plus years ago for sure. Yeah, yep. definitely. So that's actually <laughs> pretty interesting that you say that because that's actually what I'm currently doing um, <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> yeah. So uh, recording stuff uh, for myself. And uh, yeah, so uh, times have definitely changed there. So you can do, you can achieve a lot uh, at home. And uh, with just, if you have, of course, you need still need some, some good equipment. But um, yeah, I mean, you don't really have to go to a very expensive studio anymore if you know what you're doing. Like, exactly. I mean, right. mixing and, and mastering is a different beast, of course. But uh, yeah, you can handle it at least to a to a point. Yeah. So I I think that as you go into the studio and you begin laying these tracks down, did you realize that you were kind of on the cutting edge of something that was going to really hit home for a lot of people? Because by and large, this album. Um, got rave reviews within the circle of people that would, you know, find this kind of music. I, I said to Chris and that even though this album came out in the mid nineties, I said that if this album had come out 15 years later, right? 2010, 2012, this thing would have blown up because I don't know that the world was ready for, for this. I mean, back in 1995, there was dream theater and that was it. Like nobody Mm -hmm. else was, was really making it. Um, and so did you realize how special this album was um, when you were kind of laying down the tracks? I think we had it in our guts at the time that, that we have something special going on. But, you know, going back, again, this was self-financed. <laughs> we put all our money in. Sure. And then then I'm sitting there as the bass player. I just hear the drums and, and pilot guitars. Uh, so I'm, I'm playing my, my bass tracks to it. I'm thinking, yeah, this is okay good job so i'm leaving the studio and after that we start uh doing the, the mixing and 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 then then you start realizing oh my god this is sounding so good yeah. <laughs> and then and then you have the final result and i i remember i was going on on a vacation with with back then my girlfriend i was sitting at the beach and i was listening to to the final recording and my my God, I, I thought, uh, you know, it's sundown. <laughs> I'm sitting at the beach and think, this is fantastic. But we still had no deal signed. So we, we mm-hmm. didn't know. Was this just, you know, for the bin <laughs> or just for us uh, to, to right. please ourselves? Or is it something that really the, 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 um, the industry is kind of interested in? And that's what then happened, that we got and signed. That was going to ask that next. Talk to me exactly. about how the, you go from self-financed and self-produced and you know, not self-produced, but self-financed to we have a record deal. What was that process like? Mm, band, you know, you remember Limp. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, the guys um, had known uh, Limp Schnorr, uh, which is a um, uh, publisher. Um, he is a, was a guy from, from Hamburg. Um, and uh, he had connections to, I don't know, uh, you know, uh, all over the world. Uh, he had connections, so he was doing things with, I think, with Hall- Halloween before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all these guys. So uh, really bigger bands. So um, and he knew our well, one of our demo tapes, and um, so we contacted him, talked to him, 
uh, about uh, getting a record deal. And he then mostly, uh, uh, yeah, brought us together with, with noise uh, at the time, mm -hmm. which was, which, uh, uh, so with whom we got the deal um, for all of the world except mm -hmm. France. Mm -hmm. France was different. Um, so there was a guy in, in France, uh, CNR music at the time. Um, Olivier Garnier was the, the, the guy who uh, was the head of that. And um, so we had in France, we had this really special deal. And um, he really did a lot for us. So, uh, and that was also why we were uh, more uh, successful in France than we were any, um, um, in most of the other countries. So we had yeah. a lot of success in France, um, in Brazil, for example, some of it, some Japan, I think I remember. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think these were the most successful countries. Um, yeah, but we were also touring a lot in, in France and we had interview and photo sessions there <laughs> in France when the album came out. And uh, so he did a lot of lot for, lot for us. And, so yeah, so that's that's mostly yeah that's basically how it how it went uh, that we uh, got the deals there. And and from what I understand, um, John Marco actually got hurt at some point. Was not able to tour <laughs> with you guys. Is uh, first this of all, is, I, I have to hope that he's okay. But what happened? Yeah. Like that must no, have been heartbreaking for this him. This is the this is the craziest story ever. So we were we were touring the the, the band uh -huh. uh, the 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 uh, noise records did the buy on for us. They paid for the tour. Wow! <laughs> so we are we are going on tour with Angra. And Virgin Steel, actually. So, so we were totally from my happy. neck of the woods. They, they, they live oh twenty God. minutes from my house. Oh, okay. it was so good! It was so good. What, what, what an adventure for us to tour with these bands. And you know, Angra from being from Brazil and we from Germany, we love playing soccer. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So one night, and this is, I think, the third night on the tour. So we were having great gigs so far, and uh, we played uh, Rock Factory in um, in. Nuremberg, which was the, the best thing ever that we did as a band because the sound was just so great. So after that, we are starting to play soccer with this Brazilian band. And Jan Marco was getting too excited about his techniques. <laughs> <laughs> so he was he was just crashing his hand and, and, and it was like a broken hand. Uh, oh. and, and he said, I have, to, I have to stop now. So we took him to hospital and what can you do? So Michael, the other guitarist in the band, can kind of play um, uh, keyboards a little bit. So we were kind of changing the whole um, setup for the, for the show. And then Andre Matos, who has passed away, sadly, um, but the singer from Angra said, I can also play keyboards and I'll help you out. So we ended up playing with like a, a 35 or 40 minute set instead of a 45, 50 minutes, but we kind of managed it. So, so we got over it, but uh, yeah, Jan Marco has, re has recovered totally. Yeah. And, and I guess that makes sense because you would ultimately re-record that acoustic version of why with Andre Matos, which is to this day, one of my favorite bonus tracks that I've ever heard just because I'm such a huge fan of his vocals and and yeah. I just love the way that you rearranged the song in many ways because it was just so different and and dare I say so unique in many ways so I thought it was a great bonus track yeah mm. 
Yeah, I love that one too. And uh, that recording session with, with Andre, uh, I still remember we went to uh, to the north of, of Germany because he was there for recording a new Angra album. So Yamako and me, I think, we drove up there to meet him and uh, he so he could, could sing his, his tracks, lay down his tracks and we just took him to, to the studio again. And yeah, it was it was so great that he was supporting us there, and yeah, I'm I'm still really really thankful that he that he did it. So that was really great. I was telling Justin the story of uh, we were at Prague Power. I don't know, maybe ten ten or so nine nine ten years ago, and and we were sitting outside the hotel, and we were talking about superior and we're talking about the song why and somebody maybe justin had mentioned to me like did you ever hear there's a version of the song with andre matos and i was just like what so somebody pulls out their phone goes on to youtube pulls it up and i was just like like wow like that like it was like two worlds colliding i couldn't i couldn't believe it i had no idea that there was ever a connection there i thought it was the the coolest thing so um i'm glad that uh i'm glad you mentioned him because that we were gonna bring that up uh Anyway, talk to me um, a little bit about your favorite songs on the album. I mean, obviously, I don't you're probably not listening to it often, but just based on your memories, do you have any songs that really stick out to you that you said to yourself, this um, is something I'm exceptionally proud of or that's something that holds up even still today? Really, when I, when I think about uh, to record a song and listen to it later uh, to the recorded version is one thing if you play it live that's that's mm. the other thing and and when we started the show with you know the truth ain't kind oh electrifying yeah. the, the, the moment when when the, when the crowd starts screaming after you have played that song that's it Chill, chills right uh, i can imagine yes. just be, receiving yes. that energy from the crowd it's yes, um, exactly it has to be yeah. a special feeling yeah uh, for me, I mean, uh, why is still really special for me because, yeah, also it took so long and was. Uh, I think the the favorite song of 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 the fans. I think whenever we played it live, people most freaked out for that song. I don't. I mean, it's it's a little bit weird because it's the most complicated, also, <laughs> but but people seem to love it. And and for me, maybe also uh, until the end uh, from the song is. A, I think it's a great ballad. Nice one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's but, kind of an interesting way for the album to end with, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, you kind of go out and it's like, you, you just have to take a step back because it's like, it's, it's a yeah. very, very nice way to end the album. Um, I, I can Does speak it, for my, oh, sorry. Go I was ahead, just going to say, uh, has, has your feelings about any of the songs changed over the years? Like, was there a song that maybe you didn't think as much of at the time you recorded it that now that time's passed, it's, uh, it's grown more important or, or, or just better to you or, or vice versa the other way. Go ahead, Martin. It, not really. It, it depends on when, it, you know, in hindsight, of course, you sometimes think, ah, I could have played that baseline a little bit better or different or whatever, but the energy is still there. So mm -hmm. uh, really, and then, so after five years, you, you think, okay, this is rubbish and I should have done it. But then you, you listen to it 10 years after and you think, no, this is actually really good. <laughs> so things change over time. So no, it is good as it is. Yeah, I think so too. It's, it's just I a mean, document of the time, right? That's yeah, it. Exactly. That's what I wanted to say. Yeah, it's for, it, 
it's it has been laid down at that time and for that time it, it's it's good as it is i mean yeah yeah and, and as we listen to it i mean i've been listening to the album forever but as we really sat down and went back to it a lot this week i realized how powerful many of the songs continue to be and even like kind of like a, a like a like a good wine gets better with age the songs really do hold up whereas you know sometimes we'll listen to something and over time it's like that has gotten a little stale but we didn't have that experience this week which i thought was a testament to the strength of the album mm -hmm. wow interesting interesting yeah um so just going to jump ahead a little bit. Obviously the band would come out with um, unique just about two years later in 1998. Um, mm -hmm. You would, we kind of touched upon that earlier. I think that might be best serve a, a discussion for maybe another time, just because we could go into a whole, you know, discussion on sure. that album and that process, but let's, yeah. let's fast forward to when you came to the United States for the first time, how did that whole thing come about? Because for, for, for you guys, that must've been quite the experience getting to play, play the U S where this was a time when foreign bands simply were not playing the United States in 2001. It just wasn't happening. I mean, we had dream theater here. We had Metallica. We didn't, I mean, even at that time we weren't getting Halloween, let alone um, a band like mm -hmm. superior or Vanden Plus or something like that. Yeah. So, um, I was on a, actually on a, on a newsletter and in, in the RRC's uh, channel called the It's a Jam from, it was a Dream Theater based, um, uh, yeah, stuff. And, um, so the guys from Prog Power just contacted me via email and asked me if we would be willing to play there. So, um, that, and it was, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, that was really, uh, First time when they when I wrote when I read this email, I thought, "What? <laughs> you know, how, how should we do that?" And um, I mean, they they paid for our flights, and uh, I think also for one or two nights for the hotel I'm accommodation. Sure. Yeah, what all? Yeah. yeah, and that that was it. And but that was of course okay for us. <laughs> I mean, if you get a chance to play overseas, I mean, you have to do it, of course. Uh, and there were some crazy things happening around that gig, of course. I mean, for, for example, we had to rent some of the guitars and, uh, one of the uh, guys that I knew from, from the IRC's channel was a lady who had, um, uh, like an instrument store, right? And she offered us to, to give us the guitars for the gig so to bring wow. the guitars there. And I was like, yeah, that would be awesome, you know? And, uh, because we couldn't just bring everything with us. And, um, and then, uh, we were sitting at the airport in, in Frankfurt <laughs> and, uh, Michael Müller, he is really afraid of flying, you know? And so we had to, to, to drink a little bit <laughs> and then we could, we could bring him into the, the plane. That was, that was really hilarious. I mean, <laughs> that's funny. But yeah, hey, awesome. keep in mind this yeah. was right after 9-11, right? So yeah, everybody exactly. on, on aircraft was kind of yeah. you know, scared when you saw an Arab somewhere yeah. on the aircraft. It was, yeah, it was a different was time. Was, like yeah. even to this day, um, you know, yeah. I, 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 as a New Yorker, as someone who is – I mean, I, I live and work in New York City. So for mm -hmm. me, you know, I, I, those are memories that I will never forget. But even for yeah. me, I don't – 
I mean, I fly, but I don't look forward to flying just because, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's these things are now ingrained in me as a result of, um, yeah. you know, life experience, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, Michael, our singer, he's really, he's a huge guy and he, he dyed his hair black before we went there and he had a leather coat on, I remember that. <laughs> So they pulled him out of the crowd every <laughs> time. So we had to go from, from Frankfurt to, um, to the Netherlands, I think. And then from, he flew from the Netherlands to Atlanta. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, so, and every time he pulled him out and, and, you know, checked if he has something with him or whatever. So because he looked so, you know, like, like a bad guy, you know, and that was really funny. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. great. Did it was you, a great journey. Yeah, yeah. I, like I said, it's it's one of my. Um, I'm still kicking myself for for being young and unable to to get to the show <laughs> at that time. But um, uh, talk to me a little bit about the set list. How did you decide what you were going to play? Because it's a, it's a new country. It's a new set of fans. I'm sure you didn't know what to expect. How did you kind of put together a set list? Yeah, I, I think it's it's a very simple recipe. When you know you only have a short slot on a festival. Then you you go all in. So so no ballads, no nothing. Just you know, as yeah. as as much power as you can give. That's what you do. So so that's how we chose the songs. Yeah. So yeah, basically we just yeah attack. You know. Yeah yeah. <laughs> there's a um, there's a video that is mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of out there from that show, and it was it was your playing of why, which. Mm-hmm. Um, We'll actually post on our social media feed and whatnot this week, but I, I bring it up because that is one of by considered by many one of the most you know um, one of the greatest performances in the history of the festival, let alone that year. Just because I mean you, you, that was a ten out of ten performance on, on that track. Okay, well, thank so, you. <laughs> that's I think that's that's the point when you um, arrange a song like that. Like like we said before, you it takes half a year, and then you you are in the music. The moment you play that thing is like whoop! It's it's, it's you are purely in the flow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah. I I reached out to Glenn Harveston, the the promoter ah. of Prog Power, and I, I asked him, mm-hmm. "Would you just give us a little bit, like a little blurb of uh, you know what you remember oh, from from asking Superior to play and and their performance?" And so he emailed me back, and he he said. Uh, I used to receive a prog catalog in the mail from the Laser's Edge back in the 90s. This was before we could hear stuff online. Uh, the uh-huh. owner was a friend of mine who highly recommended that I give behind a listen. I instantly fell in love with the crunch of the album. It was everything I wanted that was missing here in the States. So when it was time to book the second festival, it was a no-brainer. It was a pleasure to work with them, and they were true professionals. I do have a grin looking back on their singer's stage appearance. Andrew WK must have seen him and copied his look. So that, that comes from uh, that comes from Glenn I totally Harvest. That. Uh, wow, that's that's cool. <laughs> nice. Um, um, I I had always so this is something that has been on my mind uh, since I was a college student, and so that takes us back about twenty years. As much as I hate to admit that that being the case, but. Um, Around that time, the band posted these acoustic tracks on the on their website from a show um, 
And I still have a, a handful of them. I kept the ones that were the cover songs. The, there was uh, Wholehearted mm-hmm. by Extreme. Uh, uh, yeah. I Go to Extremes mm-hmm. by Billy Joel. Mm-hmm. I still go back and listen to those tracks, and, and I get such a kick out of it. Um, the, the, the vocals are so good to be able to hear them kind of uh, shine because there's not the electric instruments kind of put drowning it out a little bit, I guess it's like the acoustic sound of it. Um, I was really just curious about that concert, why you chose to share all the files online, uh, how it all came about. I, I love it. And, and is that, material still available because i would love to be able to have the rest of the the songs i have like parts of it but not all of it but just talk a little bit about that because that's just a a very fond memory i have from when i was a college student that was uh one of the shows that was arranged by our french friends there um and um actually uh one of the guys so it was in the i think it was in in the school or something where they had in, in a hall, uh, like they had a hall there where they, uh, yeah, I think it was a sports hall or something, but, uh, yeah. So they, uh, just, uh, contacted our record company in France and then they brought it together so we could play there. And, um, so I think it was, was it during the acoustic tour? I. I don't remember actually. Yeah, I think, one of the things that yeah, I yeah, it was one of the gigs of the acoustic tour, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, uh, one of the guys who, uh, really, uh, brought us there was, uh, somehow involved in that, in that school there. So he was a big fan of us. And I was also in contact with him, uh, over the internet by the time already. And, um, so we, for the acoustic tour, we thought, okay, um, what can we, what can we play? I mean, we, we decided on the, on these, uh, cover songs and, uh, the, co- some cover songs that we all love. Right. So, um, and, and yeah, then we rehearsed them and, and played them. And it was really a, a journey because, um, it's also, uh, there were also some, uh, these, these, uh, musical styles that we, that we had to, to do there. You know, it wasn't, wasn't just our stuff also, like you said, from Billy Joel or, or all the other stuff. Uh, I still have, a I think I still have a full recording of that show. Um, so, uh, if you like, I can, I can send this to you. That's oh, I would love that. Um, uh, I, one of the things so that fun. really, one of the things that really always stuck out to me about that recording is it just sounded like you guys were having so much fun. Like it just sounded oh, yeah. like it was a lot of fun. Yeah, Def- yeah. yeah. definitely. So, uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, it was just something different. You know, uh, if you, if you play these, these songs, uh, acoustically and, um, and also the, the, the crowd was, was pretty, uh, pretty happy with us there. So, uh, they, they love what we are doing, obviously. And, uh, we were, we love what we did there too. So <laughs> we had a lot of, yeah, a lot of fun. Um, of course. And business wise, it was also a very good approach by the yeah. record company because they know there is all this audience that does not like to go to, to these metal venues. So right. they could reach out to a wider audience so that you yeah. can pull the crowd over and they, they start loving the band and, mm-hmm. And vice versa. Of course, we had our standard fans, you know, people that we have already seen at the shows and mm. new people. 
So yeah. that was it, good. That's I good. think it was smart because even by putting it on the website, if somebody listens to Billy Joel, they're like, oh, I know Billy Joel. Let me check out this cover. Right. And then all of a sudden they pick up unique or, or something like that. It becomes a yeah. very, very um, – it's an easy way to kind of get into the band when they've never heard of – you know superior proper in their life so right yeah. and not a, not a lot of bands were doing that at the time where they would just provide mm-hmm. an entire concert online for the fans like that was again like that was another one of the things that i was really impressed with was like how often do you just see a band be like here's a concert here you go like just mm-hmm. you know i thought that was a really cool thing like a really great gesture to to all the people that weren't especially to us in the in north america who wouldn't yeah. really have a way to see that concert any other way at the time. Um, and so. actually, that was that was one of the reasons. I mean, uh, so uh, we um, at that time uh, I was really um, into all that internet stuff. So I was managing our website, and I was in contact with a lot of with the people in, in the U.S. Some people in the U.S. Um, actually, uh, when we first started um, to distribute our our first album. Uh, I sent over big boxes with CDs to mm. one guy in the US and he distributed them there for us. So um, like uh, um, he's, he sent us also the money back and he, so he managed that all. It was just private, you know, no, no uh, business guy, just private. I, I, I met him also, I think over the, the It's a Jam list, if I remembered correctly. And yeah, that was really great. So we had a lot of help from uh, from people in the United States who supported us there, mm. uh, and also uh, I had a, 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 the same kind of the same deal with a guy in Australia, for example. Wow! Um, so exactly. that was really amazing for me too. So um, I even met this guy once when he was over here in Europe uh, just for vacation, and that was so such a cool thing because you know um, to to make. To, to learn to know uh, people from the other side of the world, you know, um, I would never have experienced that if the band wouldn't have been there. So that was also something I, I really loved about playing in that band. And you, it's funny because it was a time when uh, it was the early days of the internet where people oh, yeah. were just starting to connect with people all over the world, yes. but the infrastructure wasn't in place to have websites uh, where you could order CDs or the shipping distribution. So exactly. it was a lot of um, ingenuity and a lot of just uh, a, a different approaches to kind of get your stuff out there. You couldn't just go to Bandcamp and, and, and type in Superior. It was a different yeah. time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I also remember, so when we shipped, when I shipped out the, the second uh, box with the CDs, um, I put, also my wife had the idea to put some chocolate for, for the guy who distributed <laughs> it. But the, the problem was that the chocolate melted. Oh, the yeah. <laughs> and that then became, then people uh, said, oh man, I got used albums, you know, <laughs> I paid for new ones. And that became then the chocolate incident, kind of the famous. That's so funny. <laughs> it, was, it was very thoughtful, but uh, yeah. I guess it just, you know, the overseas distribution, again, not, not yeah. quite uh, what we had hoped. Yeah. Um, let, let, me, let me shift gears for a second. Ultima sure. Ratio would, would obviously come out in 2002. I remember vividly when I picked that album up, I, I thought it was a very underrated release in, in many ways, almost back to the roots, but with a little more of a, a, a focused approach, I think, on, on that album. Yes. My, my, 
again, maybe a story for another day. But my question is this. The live album would come out, Ultima, Ultima, uh, Ultima Live in 2004, 2005. And from what I understand, there was a fourth album that had been discussed, possibly even conceptualized. How far did you get with that album? And ultimately, I know it wouldn't see the light of day, but how far along were you with, with that process? We had not far. Yeah. No, we, not we, far. We, we had our ideas, but it was at the time where, and, and this is pretty much what what band is doing right now. And and maybe we were too early thinking about mixing, you know, synthesizer sounds or or programmed sounds with uh, our our style of of music. It, it it didn't really take off back then, band. If if I remember yeah. correct, maybe you yeah, had a, a couple of things. You had a couple of things cooking. I remember. Yeah, yeah I I had a couple of songs. Uh, like only demos, you know, recorded mm-hmm. here in my in my little home studio. Um, Michael also had a couple of ideas, but mm-hmm. yeah, we didn't really um, make. So we couldn't really make it to to come together again to to really uh, record the the stuff in the studio or something. Understood. And and then ultimately, you know, the band obviously kind of stopped activities back around 2007. So it's been about 15 years or more. Why don't you tell the listeners what you've been working on since then and, and kind of what the future holds for each of you? Because I know a lot of people are interested in, in you know, the music that you're still creating. Well, Martin and me uh, are playing currently in a band called Red Raven. By, by incident, we, we have... I noticed the shirt. I, like I, I didn't uh, speak with him about it. <laughs> No, no. Yeah, this 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 was planned for the better part of a week, I'm sure. So right, don't yeah. don't say this was a coincidence. <laughs> uh, but no, actually, no. I, I will have uh, my last gig with them next Saturday. Yeah, because I decided to to quit the band um, because I moved on to a little bit of different music style. Um, I have recorded uh, now nine songs. For another album for myself, um, we record another one and then uh, we give it uh, to a singer to to have the uh, yeah the, the uh, uh, singing on it, and then I will try to mix and master it myself, and I plan to have it out early next year. So this is what I'm currently doing, and Mar- I know Martin uh, will stay with the guys of Red Raven, and they are also working on. Uh, an album so martin maybe you, you can exactly and that. i'm helping band out a little bit with the bass tracks yeah. <laughs> on a couple <laughs> of things it. that he's doing yeah yeah so and uh, you know on, on top of that it's it's like uh, then i had this call from a, a band who needs a sub bass player and and I'm, I'm working on that kind of stuff so it's i keep myself busy and as i told you in the intro uh, before we started recording working in the mi industry keeps me busy at all times with all things music and i love it you know this my it's the it's the backbone of my life (laughs) that's great i'd be remiss if i I didn't ask and i did have a a friend of mine who uh has called behind a like desert island album you know one of his favorites of all time uh pat uh who justin and i know quite well uh he he wanted to know uh, would there ever be any chance that Superior might reunite one day to play a show, record something, anything like that? Or is it a moment in time and, and you know, we it is what it is? 
That is a very good question. I don't really think that this is going to happen again because I have lost really the contact with, with most of the guys. Bernd and I, yes, we, we, we are still almost weekly or maybe sometimes many times a week in touch. But really with the other guys I, at first I would uh, find a way to, to get in touch with Jan Marco again who has disappeared at least in, in my network right. um, so yeah, I don't I don't really think it's 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 a good memory for all of us when we get together it's like oh my god <laughs> you remember <laughs> what we did back then <laughs> um, but uh, no you you know it's like we did all of that with a purpose in mind we did not just want to make Uh, an album we 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 were signed to a a, a, rec, uh, to a label and we owed them money so we were sent on tours etc so all of a sudden money is involved and, and you have to make money and you don't want to do that again in in that way it's 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 good as it was yeah i i, I understand um we've had conversations with other musicians some of whom are you know, out of bands or, or bands have, have broken up. And, you know, sometimes you have that burning desire to get back together. But for many, for many, it's this was, you know, a moment in time, a, a period in, in, in your life. It was fantastic for what it was. And then and then we move on. So I, I, I can certainly appreciate the sentiment and why, you know, why you feel that way. But, um, you know, looking back, obviously, as a fan, it's, it, it was it was it was a great moment in time. And obviously, this stuff holds up so well that it's uh, it's great that we have the recordings to, to always go back to. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, the fact that we are even talking about it now, <laughs> even though the, the albums were recorded, I don't know how many years ago. I mean, that's that's pretty amazing, I think. So <laughs> uh, I wouldn't have expected that that happening. Uh, I, I mean, I'm in contact every now and then. I get an email from, from guys uh, talking about uh, our music back then. But yeah, it's it's still it's still out there. And it's th there are still people uh, who are listening to our music. And that, that amazes me, really. I mean, it's it's incredible. <laughs> We we are hoping that uh, these two episodes will bring more people that ha that maybe missed the boat on Superior. Maybe they'll give it a listen for the first time, and you'll have even new fans in 2023. That that um, you know, me, yeah. J Justin, and I talk a lot about our history of of being metal fans, and and it just happens to be that this album came out around that time. So for mm -hmm. us, mm -hmm. it, it, it's in that same conversation as the images and words and the keeper of the seven keys and all those albums that were um, really important to us when we first started listening to, to metal music. So, um, you know, that, that's just uh, from a personal standpoint for us, that's why we hold it in, in such high regard. It's such a, it's just such a part of our, you know, history. Wow, that's that's really an, an an honor for me to be named uh, together with these these other bands because they are all really, I mean, really huge bands, and uh, I think that's that's really amazing. Well, we you know it's funny we would we talk about at the time we didn't know who was going to be a big deal one day and who wasn't. I mean, you know, sure. we didn't know the difference between uh, Superior and Halloween, or or you know, we didn't know who. Because in the U.S., especially, so many, so many of these albums weren't even distributed here. Mm -hmm. uh, we would have to mm -hmm. find a, a specialty mm -hmm. store.
to that sold import CDs. Like if you walked into a, a normal CD store, you could yeah. get an Ingve Malmsteen CD or or a Dream Theater CD or maybe a Halloween CD. But and of course, you know your Iron Maidens and your Megadeths and what have you. But you know you couldn't get a, a Vanden Plus or a Conception or a, or a Superior mm-hmm. album. So. That made it all, you know, special too, because you were really going out of your way to find something that that was special that most people mm-hmm. wouldn't wouldn't know about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let me ask this: How can people find you? The music that you're working on, um, you know, I guess now would be a good chance to give out your social media, the the band websites, etc., just so people can find you and your uh, the music that you're still creating. Uh, so for Red Raven, it's uh, the website is uh, Red dash raven.de and uh, so if you would like to find out about the band just have a look for my own stuff i mean i will announce it uh, probably on my own website so my name bernd dash basmer.de and also on my on my uh, facebook uh, and social media channels that i have uh, for my for me privately um there's no name for for the project yet, uh, but I think I will have one pretty soon. So, if I if I do, then I will announce it there. Excellent. So, thank you both for joining us. It was uh, a pleasure to kind of take this stroll down memory lane and go back uh, all these years. But just know that uh, people are still listening, and and obviously people were excited to hear from you both. So. Thank you, gentlemen, very, very much. And uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you for having us. And that that was really, really cool. (laughs) Great chat. Thank you. Thank you both. Okay.